he couldn't close out the series in game four. What changed in that game? And has the series shifted back in Boston's favor? We talk about Jimmy Butler, game five adjustments, and much more as Howard Beck joins the show on today's playoff edition of Locked on Heat. You are locked on Heat. Your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here as always with David Ramil. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Excited to have Howard Beck back on the show. We're going to talk some Heat Celtics. We're going to get into Jimmy Butler's leadership style, our level of concern for the Heat, get some quick Nuggets thoughts. But Howard, wanted to just get your take on what changed in game four for the Heat. Um, did anything stand out to you? Was it more just the Celtics playing desperate, making shots? Um, and then after this, what's sort of your level of concern for Miami? Yeah, uh, good to see you again, guys. Uh, you listen, uh, this is not one where you look at it and, and, and think that there's some massive flaw to what Miami was doing or they somehow lost something. Like, this very much feels like, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting watching various series and the way that um, coaches and fan bases and players like uh, feel about the way you interpret these things. Um, mm-hmm. Because when it's told through the opponent, it's somehow, you know, disrespectful in some way. But I'm just going to say this, like the Celtics, everybody felt coming into this postseason were the most talented team in the postseason, either conference. And so it's, it's, it has very much been, I think, more about their failures in this postseason, whether it was screwing around against the Hawks in the first round, whether it was, you know, putting themselves in a position where they should have, frankly, lost in six games in the second round to the Sixers. Um, and then in this series, I, I, I do think that so much of this, the, the, like both, both things are true in this series. The Heat are way beyond what we expected of them. The Celtics are, uh, have, have been underwhelming based on yeah. their talent profile and their roster. Um, and so what I saw in that game was, yeah, Celtics desperation, Celtics kind of getting uh, a little de- defensive, uh, not in addition to defensive as basketball players, but just defensive uh, in, in uh, attitude because suddenly everything is about, are they going to break them up? Are they going to fire Joe Mazzula? Uh, a, re- a, a, a revival of the concerns about or, or, or reports about how the Celtics players were pissed off about Ime Udoka and the way that was handled. Um, not not new, by the way, like, and it's not casting anything on that report. I'm just saying, like, that had been discussed earlier in the season. Like, that had been out there. But when it was revived, um, it seemed like they took offense to that. And they they they, they kind of addressed it broadly after the game um, without saying specifically. So, yes, there's an aspect of this that is certainly about, you know, a team's um, professional pride. And they're wanting to push back on on everything that they've seen, everything they've heard, and also that's just their own situation, right? They know they've they've failed themselves. So anyway, um, I thought they played smarter. I thought their ball movement. I don't ha- have the tracking stats in front of me. I have to imagine that was their best passing game, just in terms of for sure total, like it. total passes, right? Like I, I don't have the numbers, but I, I think that was the probably their best passing game of the series, and one of their better ones of of this postseason. Um, I think that was reflected in the assist totals. Um, but I think also just number of passes, like I say, I, and, I, and kept like, turnovers lower than they had been. Yeah, they just and that those things can go hand in hand, right? Like if you get too pass happy, like we see that with the Warriors, sometimes you get too pass happy and suddenly you're a really high turnover team. But smart passing, timely passing, uh, intention, you know, in, passing with intent yes. um, is 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 the thing. Right. And this team 
does like it's one of its frailties the Celtics is is that they get stagnant they get to one on one you know it becomes you know taking turns between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and sometimes Marcus Smart who's not a take turns guy that you want to be a take turns guy um so I, I just I felt like they were smarter um and then you know closing out a little harder on on the Heat's uh, three point shooters in the second half um winning the three point battle period. Like they, you know, th- th- that's been a, a struggle for them in this series. Um, and they won it pretty decisively in that game. So I think that's part of it too. But um, it's it's funny. Like we talk about teams, you know, we talk about desperation, we talk about pride and all these things. But the way that manifests is if it if it's channeled in the right direction is you start playing smarter in the way that got you here in the first place. The things mm-hmm. that you kind of, it, it's easy to lose track of, right? You, you, you get tense and it starts being like well i'm jason tatum i gotta do it all i'm Jalen brown i gotta do it all and, and that's that's where teams get in trouble and and you know even in as much as these guys are now kind of in their early to mid prime i guess early prime i would say um and they've been around a while they're still young players you you, you can still get lulled into or sucked into hero ball um and and i think there there has been certainly some some uh, problematic moments for the celtics in that regard in this series so yes i i'm i'm telling this through the, the lens of of what i think the celtics did right and what they had previously done wrong more so than what the heat might have failed on i don't i don't know nothing nothing leapt out in terms of what the heat were doing um you know you guys obviously have watched them much more closely all season you tell me but i don't i didn't see this as a as a, a heat failure this is a really great team that they were that it was surprising for them to be up 301 in the first place so do do you think that they figured something out that they can continue to build on in game 5? I asked Jimmy Butler in the post game yesterday about the the shift in momentum. He didn't seem to think that it would create any momentum for Boston. If anything, he said it would take it add momentum for Miami so that they would play with their backs against the wall that they would feel the challenge of now having to go into Boston and close out the series there. But do you think Boston has found things that they can continue to do? in terms of how to defend Bam Adebayo, how they defended Miami's three-point shooting, and to your point, move the ball a little bit more effectively so it's a much more opportunistic offense rather than just heavy ISO. And, and Howard, before you answer, I do I looked up that stat that you were wondering about the tracking stat. Uh, the Celtics averaging 252 passes per game in these playoffs, 269 on Tuesday night. Uh, the Heat, on the flip side, 279 passes per game throughout the playoffs, slightly less, 272 in that game, but you were absolutely right uh, about the Celtics making more passes just in general, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. And, and, and thank you for the numbers. It's uh, I, 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 it doesn't always translate, right? It, it's not an automatic thing. We, we sometimes fetishize the, you know, ball movement and passing. Uh, I certainly do. Cause I, I prefer to watch that style of, of play. Sure. And I, I hate ISO ball. Um, but the Celtics are a team that they, they get themselves in trouble when they get stagnant. And so anyway, um, what the heat, you know, like, is, is it a warning sign for the Heat? I mean, I, look, I, I think they've gotten this far, um, not on out-talenting teams, but on outworking them, out-hustling. Um, and th- they they are themselves a great ball movement team. Um, and obviously a team that's that's very disciplined on, on defense. Um, it just makes you really work. They've made the Celtics uncomfortable. They've put them in position where the Celtics started playing too much hero ball in, in previous games. Um, I, think, I, I think they just play their same card, right? Like, there's not... The Heat don't have a, a whole lot of other, you know, uh, you know, styles or gears to go to. We know who they are, right? Like they're going to do what they do. Um, I don't know that the Celtics figured something out so much as they maybe, you know, going back to what uh, Brogdon, I think it was Brogdon had said 
between games was like we kind of have lost our identity. Mm-hmm. So the Celtics finding their identity, good news for the Celtics, bad news momentarily for the Heat. But I, I like again, I think that it is more about what Boston uh, did and, and needed to do. So I don't know that anything changes for the Heat. Um, obviously, you know, it wasn't wasn't a great Bam game, especially offensively. Uh, you know, they need a little bit more aggression from him, even if he's not shooting a ton. I think just his his uh, uh, the pressure he puts on the rim. Um, I, so I, you know, there, I'm sure there are things they could do minor things, but I don't, I don't think there's some, some major lesson to take out of that game. Um, other than the Celtics were too good to be swept. And, yeah. and I, I had my doubts about that. I, you know, the, sometimes a team gets to that point when we, we're all sitting there trotting out the, the historical stats about no teams ever come back from three Oh it, you know, the secondary stat to that is, that the, and again, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the majority of people of teams that go down 3-0 end up just getting swept. Why? Because you're demoralized and you've you've lost all belief. You're fractured. You were probably, uh, you know, the the less talented team in the first place. So right. you just cave. Credit to the Celtics for not caving. <laughs> yeah. Look, I thought that just kind of chalking this up also to just desperation is almost disrespectful of, of the Celtics. Like, they're a really good team. They finished with 13 yeah. more wins in the Heat. Like, they were... Even Eric Spolstra after the game was was pretty consistent with, yeah, this was going to be a competitive. Even they were, he was sort of like, yeah, we didn't really think we we're going to be up 3-0 at this point against this team. Like this yeah. is going to be a competitive series as as everybody expected. Jimmy Butler also talked post game. Um, some of his comments: Is he trolling, or we have have we learned something about his leadership style? That's coming up next, David. First, uh, tell listeners about our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or you get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. When you shop on eBay Motors, and with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay's guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions do apply. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Every day is we're going to be back Thursday night with a full show breaking down Game 5 in Boston want to read uh, this to you, Howard. This is Jimmy Butler's quote after the game saying, we're going to listen to some music, we're going to drink some beers, we're going to have some wine, and then we're going to go get one on the road. Just in general, like Jimmy Butler's bravado in these post-game press conferences, every opportunity in front of uh, the media saying, we're going to win the championship, we're going to win this game, we're going to win that game, all that kind of stuff. What do you make of that leadership style? Because he's kind of been labeled as like a troll, but I do wonder if there's something to that, just like constant positivity. I mean, I want to just go listen to music and drink some wine and <laughs> chill, like win, lose or otherwise. That sounds like a great plan to me. Uh, you know, that that's great leadership. Your, 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 your captain's going to take you out to drinks. That, I'm good with that. <laughs> I'll follow that Jimmy, guy anywhere. <laughs> is Jimmy picking up the tab? Uh, is Jimmy picking up the tab? And is it only going to be, uh, the beer that coffee. he's sponsoring. Uh, <laughs> Ultra. I'm yeah. I'm I'm a bit of a beer snob. I don't like mm. I, I'm not you know no no offense to any NBA sponsors who are very important to our ecosystem, but I'm just saying. <laughs> What's your beer um, choice, Howard? 
Um, it, it really varies actually. Okay. Uh, you know, I, look, I, I live in hipster Brooklyn, man. Like they, there's just, a, you know, microbreweries on every corner and, you know, this is not quite Portland or, you know, necessarily, but like, there's, you know, uh, I like a good IPA. I thought, I thought so, that's where this was going. Yeah. Yeah. Of course <laughs> this is where it was going. Does, does Michelob Ultra make an IPA? No, they do not. <laughs> um, so listen, Nothing about the way Jimmy Butler handles these, um, whether it's the media sessions, except when he's blowing them off, which I, uh, I must say, I yes. uh, not, yeah, cannot approve of I, right. as a officer with the Pro Basketball Writers Association. Those are always alarming. Um, I, 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 but I appreciate when he talks and he's a, he's a, that, that's the funny thing. The irony of, of, of uh, Jimmy getting fined a few times uh, recently for not talking to the media is that he's great when he talks like, yeah. <laughs> like he's not one who should be ducking anything and he does he doesn't duck anything he's not one who's afraid of you know wins losses whatever he's a guy who who's who's fine to, to stand up and 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 explain and be accountable so i don't understand uh what he's doing sometimes but whatever um i like the bravado i mean i i don't even consider it that it's not even extreme bravado to me like one, you're still up in the series. You're not supposed to sound like you're you're overly concerned mm-hmm. or panicked. Two, you want your best player to be the guy who projects all that confidence because everybody else can, can, can come along with that. When your best player looks rattled, you start to feel a little rattled. If your best player seems desperate, you start to be desperate. Um, and especially when there's, I think, a fairly you know steep talent drop-off for this team after the top two, right? Like that's been a hallmark here. By the way, can I just take a make a quick go on a quick tangent with that? Yes. Uh, while we're while we're on the subject of of, of talent and undrafted players and everything, yes. it's not an insult to refer to these players as undrafted. It is a compliment. Now, I did think about this. If somebody and I, maybe I missed a quote somewhere. If somebody has deployed the undrafted players, second round players, castoffs, whatever I use that term a lot. I like castoffs. It's a good word for writers. Um, it, it if if somebody has used that to say. How could the Celtics be losing to a bunch of undrafted players? Like that is an insult. Yes. Yes. If it's deployed yes, they have in that said particular that. context. Okay. They have said that. People are mean. They said that against <laughs> Milwaukee. They said that against New York right. too. So it's it's been a recurring uh, theme for the last couple of seasons. When I have referred to what the the Heat have done, I look at it as this is remarkable because these are players who six you know were passed on 60 times in the draft including by the Heat twice potentially in some of these cases, right? These are these are guys, you know, Caleb Martin Cast off again, not an insult, but he, he was he was just out there to be to be grabbed. Kevin Love b- bought out and waved. Still don't get it, but he was. Kyle Lowry uh, left for dead multiple times because he's got a lot of miles on him, and his play suggested that he was probably done. And now, now, and then suddenly he wasn't. It, it's not an insult to look at the, at these guys, Struess, Vincent, all these guys. You know, Martin. Lowry, love, mm-hmm. and say like, yeah, these are guys who you did not expect to be vital pieces of a team that's in the conference finals and then up 3-0 on the team that everybody around the NBA by consensus had felt was the most talented team in the NBA, the Celtics. So it's a it's a compliment, not an insult. And, it, and it's funny to me, everything now becomes a grievance. Everything becomes bulletin board material. Everything becomes a, a disrespect card that everyone's playing all the time. And I'm really looking forward to, I said this on Locked on Nuggets yesterday, I'm really looking forward to the disrespect Olympics unfolding in the NBA finals <laughs> when it's eventually heat versus nuggets. And which by the way, the heat are going to win the, the, uh, uh the, the gold medal for disrespect, because we're going to definitely disrespect them when we all fate, when we all say that the, the nuggets are 
favored in this in this series because they have home court and they have the M- the, the two time MVP and everything else. So congratulations, Heat! You are going to win the gold medal in the, in the disrespect Olympics, but I think the Nuggets are probably going to win the title. But now I'm way ahead of myself and I've pissed off all of your wow. listeners. Well, I think that's an interesting – like, should they have a trophy now that we have, like, a Magic Johnson trophy, Larry Bird trophy, like, <laughs> most disrespected team in the NBA? And should the mascot of that trophy be, like, Max Struess or something? <laughs> I, no, because it's got to be historical, right? So now we have to think of, like, historically, who is the avatar of disrespect, who we all just did not give enough credit who to was for, that like, JJ their entire career. JJ Reddick called Firemen. Who who's playing as oh, Firemen? Was George it Michael? the Plumbers and Firemen Award. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't have to be a player, just a Miami plumber. Heat. Just a plumber on the, the Plumber Award. The plumber. And it's just it's just it's just a sculpture of like uh, a pipe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. a, a, a crescent wrench? I I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what a crescent wrench is. Um uh, I think uh you like the word castoffs. I love the word overlooked. Um, because sure. I, I think like it works for the heat because they found like little bits of talent in otherwise not as talented players that work sure. for what it is that they need. And I, and I'm with you. It should not be a sign of disrespect. By the way, when we're on this, uh, on this disrespect uh, topic on the other side for Denver, as to your point, like why does every star have to get asked after losing to the Denver Nuggets? Did you learn anything about Nikola Jokic? Like it's, <laughs> That that has to come from the the members of the, whoever it is that's asking those questions. That they're the ones that are learning something about Nikola Jokic. Like that to yes. me is projecting yeah. a little bit because that's clear. Though. I mean, media members have said yeah. that there, there have well, been media members, even on ESPN, uh, saying I, I I did not watch Nikola Jokic enough to know that he was this good. It's like what did you think he was doing on his way to MVPs? two MVPs? Yeah, how else do you get to that point but well, by being good for a consistent amount of time? Which goes back to my, my my the disrespect card being overly played. Like I yes. love Michael Malone; he's a great guy. I've I've known him since I got to New York, you know, almost twenty years ago because he was on the Knicks staff back then. I love Michael Malone, and I love his feistiness, and I love how passionate he is about defending his his players and his team and his franchise's honor and all that stuff. But the idea that Nikola Jokic has been disrespected when he's won back to back MVPs, followed by a second place in the MVP, and by the way, second place not an insult means everybody thought you were this close to being MVP again. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's got like four or five straight all NBA uh, nods. Like Jokic is not, there's no shortage of respect or accolades for Nikola Jokic. The only concern has been, can he win at the highest level? Well, he's going to the finals for the first time. So I do think I'm not going to defend the the framework of the question, Wes, about uh, what did we learn when we all should know, and especially the players themselves and coaches themselves certainly know what Nikola Jokic is about. But right. I think when, if I'm going to project a little bit, why, why you ask that there's a little bit of baked in Jokic, the one knock on Jokic or the one caveat has been great stats, a uh, certain number of wins in the regular season, whatever, where is the, not just hardware behind it, but where is the, the playoff series wins behind mm-hmm. it? Where's the postseason success? And so maybe there's a little bit of that, I don't know. I'm 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 guessing, but I, it's you're you're fair to, to 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 critique the question because it does suggest like somehow there's some great revelation that's just happened, and and no, he's he's doing the same things he pretty much always did. Maybe he's doing it a little steadier level, maybe a little bit more efficient level. Uh, maybe he's gotten a little tougher with with some postseason scabs over the last few years. Um, but but yeah, um, Jimmy. So to back to your question on, on Jimmy. I I, th- I think having seen a number of guys over the years who they do respond in different ways, I think the best players 
there's different ways to lead. I, I, I've always leaned toward the Jimmy Butler style, right? And of course, you know, my first seven years covering the NBA was covering the Lakers when Kobe and Shaq were there. And that's certainly the way Shaq led. That's certainly the way that, that Kobe led in their own ways was lead with your ego, lead with your confidence, lead with your swagger, never, never look like you're, you're rattled. And if you were, you wouldn't admit it. Um, and so I don't consider it arrogance. I don't consider it to be overconfidence, anything else. I also think that when you were up 3-0 and you, and you just lost a game and you kind of, you kind of know you're going to get the counter punch. You, sh you shouldn't all of a sudden seem like, like that's a, a, a massive concern for you. So um, I don't mind any of that. Uh, quick, quick other reference to that, that Lakers uh, team in 2000, they are on their first run. This is going to be their first championship year in the second round. They were up 3-0 on the Phoenix Suns. That was Phoenix Suns with uh, Jason Kidd and who else? Clifford Robinson's on that team. I can't remember who else. It was a good Suns team, but not a team that the Lakers. So they're up 3-0 on them. They've, they've, they've pushed them around. The Lakers get blown out mm. in game four. They lost by, I think it was only like 19, but they were down by, by I think, 30 at some point. Just absolutely got their doors blown off. It happens. They came back and crushed the Heat, in, or screw, crushed the Suns in um, in the fifth game. Um, Suns, Heat, it's all like hot stuff. It's, it's all... <laughs> Similar keep colors, track, yeah. you know. Um, so like I I'm also used to seeing that, right? Like they, they not unusual for a team to go up 3-0, get you know, relax just a little bit, think the other team is just ready to just collapse, and you relax just enough to let them back. To that point, though, to bring up the Suns comparison, I mean the Lakers went back home for game five and were able to yeah. do that on their home floor. Like this now is this reversed, is very, yeah. yeah, this is very different. You know, normally it's the one seed or the, the higher seed in the matchup that would have the three or advantage <laughs> and they can afford to kind of let back a little bit. That's yeah. why I feel like, I mean, Celtics fans are certainly encouraged and their fans. That's, that's their prerogative to do so. But at the same time, like now things are very, very different because they're reversed. Now you have to go into Boston and whether, you know, the Celtics certainly have played better on the road, I mean, it's not like they haven't won at home either. They won game seven against the 76ers. Uh, you know, is there the feeling maybe that, you know, Boston does have something to it, that they can, you know, change the series, make it go seven? Uh, history says no, right? 150 series have shown yeah. otherwise, but uh, it could just be the first. I know everybody says, and I think uh, Kevin Pelton uh, over at ESPN has written about this, that, you know, it's going to happen eventually, right? It's, just yeah, like, sure. it's not, I, I just, I'm, I'm one who kind of believes like, eh, no, you know what? the reason it's never happened is because if you're down three Oh, there's a reason you were down three Oh um, in most cases, it's because you didn't have the talent to have won one of the first three games against a tougher opponent in a lot of cases, or then certainly in the case of like the Celtics here, um, something else is amiss. I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm, I'm there, there, there's something usually if you're a team that's that talented and you're struggling that badly, there, there's a chemistry problem of some sort. I, I mm. use chemistry as just a catch all, but like, yeah, right. Whether, you know, the, the, so there's something going on there. Coach versus player, players versus players, whatever. Some there's and, and I think a reckoning is coming for Boston um in their in their offseason, one way or another. Um, so there's a reason you're down 3-0, and that's why no team comes back from 3-0. And that doesn't mean it can't happen. And it, like, is this the this is an interesting thought or, or uh, uh just thought experiment, right? Is this the right uh circumstances, the right template for when a team could come back from 3-0? Because of everything you just said, David, the Celtics are the higher seed by a lot. They were the better regular season team. They do have more quote unquote talent on paper for whatever that's worth. Um, you got to be the more together team, right? You got to be the smarter team, the more disciplined team, all those other things. But like, is this the recipe for the first ever 3-0 comeback? Maybe, I, I, you know, they've got two out of the last three at home. 
because of the weirdness of them losing two home games to start the series. Right. And they've got quote unquote, the better talent, right? Like, okay, maybe that, maybe that's it. Maybe that's, maybe that's what we're, we're going to see unfold. I don't think so. Um, I tend to think that was their, their desperation counter punch. Um, they're four and five at home in the postseason, which is like, when you say like they've got two of the last three at home, normally that is the, 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 the one card they can play. Right. This is a team that's four and five at home in the playoffs. So I don't even know how confident anybody should be in their ability to, to use that to their advantage. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if they won game five. Um, but then I would expect the heat to close out in game six. And I know if you're Boston, you're saying, all we gotta do is win a home game. And then you get to, to Miami and it's like, yep. And if we win this, one, I mean, all the pressure's on them. Cause if we win this one game, seven's back at our place. I get that. That's the psychological game you play with yourself. And it's the messaging you send to your fans and to the public. I think it's a lot harder than that. Um, mm-hmm. It also wouldn't surprise me in the least if the heat did go into uh, the TD Garden is a TD Garden now. Is it still a version of a garden? Yeah. It's still, TD. still TD Garden, yeah, yeah. Uh, un- until it becomes the you know whatever the uh, uh, Costco Garden. The you know, I mean, we've something. been through it. We've been through enough of that in Miami. You guys have been through way up. too much. Kaseya, how do you pronounce it? Kaseya, hey, you're right. You it. It. It's the, right, it's the third. It. It's the third name this season for the one arena. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. They they have more uh, names for their arena in one year than the Celtics have coaches over the last three years, um, or something. It's, I think it's even, it's tied three three. Um, yeah, uh, but I, I I think you know it wouldn't surprise me in the least either way in Game Five. Yeah. But if the Celtics do extend this, I still kind of think the Heat would knock them out in in, in Game Six before having to go to uh, back to Boston. But um, but it's interesting. Uh, you know, it's funny when the when the ex-player commentators themselves are doing the pressure game like chuck sure. did it the other day oh it's saying all the heat yeah all the pressures on miami to close them out they're a 3-0 chuck like they got they can screw around and now reggie was doing they're, it last night i think it's my favorite it's my favorite um talking head take to say something is a must win and we're getting like more and more extreme like we're gonna get to the point where like the first preseason game it's like you know what this could set the tone <laughs> For, for the, the rest season. of the season, this is a must-win <laughs> for the Sacramento Kings or whatever. Um, you mentioned the series going back to Miami, and we can end it here. But uh, if it does come back to Kaseya Center, should the Heat Kaseya ban... Center, not Kaseya Arena, but Kaseya Center? Correct. It's a Kaseya Center. Center. Now. It used to be an arena. It's actually it's Kaseya <laughs> it was... Center in the way that Staples Center was. There was no the. There was just the, um, <laughs> that was a very important thing back in the day. They were very insistent when they first opened Staples Center that it is Staples Center and not the Staples Center. Don't we've just dare put the No, me. we've gotten the same thing. If you write the, <laughs> or if you say the, it's like, hey, it's just Kaseya. I don't know why people have a problem with the word the. These corporate we use it sponsors, man. All, yeah, they're like, hey. We don't you know what, it, the, you know what well. it is? You know what it is, guys? It's disrespectful to put that in there. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's a cast off which word. Arena, the, yeah, which arena has been most disrespected? I think that's a, a sleep the next train. topic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> deservedly they get the trophy um all right quick should the the heat ban a rod and um and Derek Jeter from yeah. from attending game six because of the curse that they apparently have cast upon the franchise i don't know if they can or if they should but it would totally be justified <laughs> uh, I don't need to see them on my TV anymore, by the way, for one. Like, how, how about how about that? All right, enough already. Great. I want to see them sitting next to each other, and then we can speculate on how awkward those conversations are since they famously didn't exactly like each other yeah. back in the day. That um, should be the punishment. If, hey, if you show up, you guys got to sit next to each other. Sure, there you go. Right. We're not going to ban you. 
but you have to sit next to each other. <laughs> so we and get some we, hashtag and, content and, out of it. And we get to mic you up. We get to do the uh what's what do they what do they call those segments? The mic up, up yeah. I guess. Yeah. 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 Um well, listen, um I will say this. And like I get it. Like A-Rod's like he's a Miami resident, correct? Yes. Yes. All right. He's a, he's a Miami resident. He's a he's a celebrity former baseball player, Hall of Famer, all that stuff. It is still strange to me when I think of it through the lens of he's an NBA owner. I don't think right. in 26 years of covering this league I've ever seen an owner whose team yeah. was not involved in the game sitting courtside at a playoff game of two teams that are not his team. That's actually weird. And it's only well, not Dwayne weird Wade. because Dwayne Wade he was A-Rod first. Oh, I guess Wade did it. You're right. Yeah. What is what? What is with these owners today? Dwayne Miami welcomes, welcomes all D-Wade. owners. Yeah. D-Wade's yeah. allowed in the heat locker room because he's wow. D-Wade. See, that's wild. That's all right, but on the other hand, all right, listen, all right, let me just, I'm going to make a quick exception here for Dwayne Wade. Well, one, sure. one, he's a heat legend. Alex Rodriguez played another sport entirely. <laughs> Wade's a heat legend. So there's that lifetime pass Two, he's a, he's a, like a minority owner, right? He owns a small share yeah. that he's not the majority owner. A-Rod is, is a co-majority owner or soon will right. be. Um, it's still in transition, but I don't know. That's kind of weird. You know, yes. like, look, Shaq owned, I, I don't know if he still does, but I, he the owned a small it. piece of the Kings. Yeah. He sold it. Grant Hill, I think, still owns some small piece of the Hawks. All right. That's a little bit different because also, like, their 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 jobs are also as commentators. Um, but and, and Dwayne Wade is a Heat legend. A Rod, I don't know, kind of weird. I, so I think it's 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 fairer for Jeter to be there, or less weird for Jeter to be there than for A Rod. Well, I'm gonna I take a stand on this. Derek Jeter, get out of here. Nobody wants to see you. What you did to the Marlins, like, it's just worthless few years. Like, just did not help. Um, so I'm gonna take a stand on Jeter and say, no way, get out of here. Fair. Uh, Howard Beck, thanks so much uh, for joining us. Uh, for those watching, listening, uh, Howard Beck is involved uh, co- helping Locked On Podcast Network cover, not the Locked On Podcast, Locked On Podcast <laughs> Network, covering these NBA playoffs. You could uh, read him over at GQ. Uh, Howard, thanks so much. And thank you all for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day.